two things I want to pick quickly and then we'll advance deeply into the scriptures. I bring just a perspective and then we move into the next segment of the service. Hallelujah. Now first and foremost, I'd like us to look upon the landscape of the church as viewed from the eye point of the book of Revelation. There is something about the landscape of the church that I'd like us to look upon. There is an understanding that I'd like us to capture. And that understanding is intended to build us up in particular accordance with the demands of the season of the end time. In the book of Matthew chapter 11, Jesus made a statement. Amen. Jesus made a statement. Jesus was trying to bring about some form of clarity. Clarity. Now, I, I found out something in my few years of ministry that ministry in the villages is actually easier than ministry in the town. The reason is that the people in the villages don't know too much and they are open to the truth whenever they find it. But those of us in the countryside from Abuja we are choked with all kinds of stuff. And it will take an angel and an archangel to bring coals of fire from the sanctuary on high to make an impression upon our lives. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That was how the Jews were. The Jews were people that had the covenants of God in their midst. And as such, you cannot just come and speak the words of God and claim to have the words from God. Uh, you will pass through critical scrutiny because there will be many questions that will be generated from the crowd because they are not altogether blind people as far as understanding the purposes of God and the sequence of his fulfillment is concerned. For instance, you see, and that is owing to their unique heritage, their unique heritage, and the covenants that their ancestors had with God. For instance, in the book of Malachi, the Bible makes us to understand that before the great and the terrible day of the Lord shall appear, that Elijah will come. Hallelujah. And so when the ministry of Jesus was seen, they were trying to understand the ministry of Jesus in the sequence of prophetic fulfillment. Now if it's true that you are the Messiah, according to the prophets, did they not say that Elijah will come first? And so in the book of Matthew chapter 11, Jesus was trying to give some understanding about the fact that prophecy has come alive. You see, prophecy is an utterance when it is in the mouth of the prophet. But there's a time where the utterance of the prophet becomes live, practical, living reality. 
So, and it's very easy to miss the prophetic sequence when prophecies come alive. The language of the spirit is the most difficult language to understand. Somebody came to me the other day and said that, you know, he had this vision. Hallelujah. You know, there's so much about visions without accurate understanding of the purpose of that transmission. And then people try to use their minds to gain understanding of a communication that came from the belly of God and from the technology of God. The vision did not come because you strained your mind. The vision came because God intended to make something of his will known. Do you get that now? And he said, God can communicate to you in a vision or in a dream and he can decide to hold back the meaning of that dream or that vision that he communicated. In fact, in the book of Job, that is one of the signs that shows that God is greater than man because his own communication plane is different from the communication plane of man. And so God can decide to give you a vision and withhold the revelation. Withhold the insight into that vision. Now, a carnal man will try to interpret it from the standpoint of his mind. And that interpretation will lead him to, 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 to error because he did not wait for the strong spirit of God to bring across to him the insight about that which he has captured. If you are still with me, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Okay. These guys have insight into God's plans. They have been schooled in the writings of the prophets. They had a perspective of things. But in the day where prophecy came alive, there were novices. There were not too different from people that were total unbelievers that didn't have an idea. Because the prophets spoke from a frequency. The language of the spirit. Hallelujah. And until you are in that frequency in the day of his fulfillment, you will not recognize that fulfillment. I know you are not here. <laughs> I was talking with a young man in Lagos. The young man that I said had the revelation. And the young man said, God had visited him and God had brought some tools. Empowered him with some prophetic tools that will guide him along the path. I don't want to mention the path. Okay, along the path of marriage. You know, there are many revelations along that path. Now, when he brought the revelation that he claimed to have secured from God and he also provided the interpretation that he drew from it and the conclusion that he arrived at on the strength of his revelation I was convinced that the revelation was from God but the interpretation of his revelation was from him and most of the interpretation went in the tangent of his own mindset. Do you understand that? 
And one thing you must know about the language of the spirit, it is not configured on the template of human reasoning. In fact, when God speaks, it will contradict your reasoning. And even though you have actually heard the voice of God about an issue, and then God, you will sit back because it was not what you were expecting. It, it's not on the frequency of your reasoning. Do you understand that now? Now, so these guys had prophecies. These guys knew that Elijah was going to come. But in the day when that prophecy came to pass, they did not know that that scripture had been fulfilled because they were not operating on the frequency of the prophet that proclaimed that reality. And as such, they were eluded from having the opportunity to understand this fulfillment. And in order for Jesus to bring them up to date with the current events that was taking place and unfolding in the agenda of God, Jesus decided to conduct a refresher course. Hallelujah. Now let us see the refresher course that Jesus conducted. Maybe when we check it in Matthew chapter 11, we can now come to the book of Revelation, then you understand what I'm talking about. You are still around? Say amen. amen. Matthew chapter 11. Please do not interpret things that come from the realm of God. <laughs> from the standpoint of the resources of your man. If you fasted and prayed for the vision to come, you will fast and pray to get the interpretation. And in my experience with God, anytime I have a vision that I don't have not received the interpretation, it means God is saying He wants me to pray. Are you still with me? God is saying He wants me to pray anytime I have a vision without the interpretation. I do not share visions that I have not received interpretations for because it is of no use. Do you understand what I'm talking about? It's of no use. So, if I don't have an interpretation for the vision I receive, I go to God in the place of prayer and begin to seek his face until it enlightens me and grants me understanding. Now, in the book of Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. Then Jesus makes a strange statement that I would like us to pay attention to. 
He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, in the little exhortation I want to bring to us, I'd like you to do some practical work. Because you will notice, as I've always said, anytime I quoted this scripture, this is plural. So let's do something. Are you on the line? Yes. <laughs> he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Understand the context. The context is that a prophetic event had taken place. People that were waiting for the fulfillment of prophecy from the standpoint of their human reasoning have missed out on mighty issues, mighty events in God's agenda and Jesus was conducting a refresher course to upgrade the people that were expecting a fulfillment in a way that was not in tandem with the frequency that God was operating in. So he was just trying to bridge the gap to connect them and to upgrade them so that they will keep pace with God, that we understand where God is at the moment. Because it's very possible for a generation not to know at all what God is doing. And the messages that are being preached, the level of preparation that is being heralded in the body of Christ is not by any means preparing the people for the current things of the Spirit the people are not in tune with the present revelation position of the spirit and people are still waiting for old prophecies to come on that plane waiting for revival to come on that plane unknown to them the spirit of revival is already working in the hearts of men seeking to bring commitment to christ in a certain way that will make them qualify for the level of endowment of god's avalanche that is coming into the earth right? and you see this guys were carnal they knew what was going to happen and they were expecting it to happen within the context of their carnal mind and jesus knew that the rate at which and the pace at which the move of god was going many more people had to be enlightened about what god was doing so that they could be part of it and he now organized this refresher course in the midst of his declaration as he was exposing divine truths and the current position of the spirit's truth he made a statement and said john the baptist was elijah that was to come then he now says he that has ears let him hear my friend what's the meaning of that he proclaims the truth and then he now says the responsibility of hearing the truth was not his he casted the responsibility of hearing to the people that were under the sound of his voice. And we noticed that the tense that was used or ear was in plural. So what Jesus was saying was that if you were present at that point in time, if you were part of his refresher course, you will understand the current position of the spirit's truth. Okay? So people that were not part of that course, not part of what he's teaching that day, 
never got to know that John the Baptist was actually Elijah. Now, by the time we move into the book of Revelation, in the book of Revelation, the ministry of Christ has reached a, a final stage. I told you that the summation of the Bible or the sum total of the Bible is about Christ and his kingdom. Don't forget that. There are three stages in the ministry of Christ as captured in the Bible. The first stage of the ministry of Christ is the incarnation. Hallelujah. The purpose of that stage of the ministry of Christ is quite clear. First of all, it was, the, sorry, the incarnation means God coming in form of man. Please, don't forget that. That's the first stage of the ministry of Christ. In the incarnation, there were several things that were achieved. The first thing that was achieved when Jesus walked this world in the incarnation was that God was defined. Prior to that time, God was known by names. And the names of God were always attributed to his manifestations. So if God comes and God heals, they say, Jehovah Rapha. And then a generation comes to a point where they can expect, that, where they expect that God will heal. That's good. When God now comes and says, you guys, go and sanctify yourself today and tomorrow because on the third day I'm going to show up. Then they say, Jehovah Sikenu. God, a sanctifier, he doesn't want to look upon you in the state that you are. He is in a business of, of constantly sanctifying you so that the holy nature which is his essence, will be walked into you by his spirit. Holiness is not a function of your efforts. It's not a fleshly attainment. It is the working of the Holy Spirit imparting the nature of God and building it into you so that it becomes your constitution. If you are still with me, say amen. amen. I'm trying to use the simplest words I can find. So that you will not be confused about what we are talking about. He's trying to build his nature into you. Hallelujah. Trying to build his character into you. So as you begin to fellowship with him and you submit consistently to his lordship, he's achieving something that you don't know. He's by his spirit, he's building his nature, his character into you. And he's constituting you with himself. So that you become an expression of him even in your most natural state. You must understand that the call to holiness is a process. It is not something that is an attained and then we say, I have attained the status of holiness. Do you get it? Now, the Bible makes us to understand if you study your Bible critically, you find that, that holiness exists in, in degrees. The holiness of God. Huh? You don't understand me. I want you to come back home. The holiness of God is in his own class. Do you understand? When we say God is holy, that holiness is in a separate, it's not this type that we are working in. It's in a separate, distinct class. It is as brilliant as the true light. 
Do you understand that? That's his essence and constituent. So by the time we begin to fellowship with him, what he does is that he begins to constitute us with that his nature. And the more you walk with God in total submission to his will, you begin to see that you are carrying on his nature. That is a proof that you are growing in God. It's not, a, it's not something you attained in the flesh. It's not a religious rigor. Because those days, the holiness we were taught actually replaced the actual reality of holiness as a spirit reality imparted by the Holy Spirit and constituted by the Holy Spirit. And what we had was a, a humanly attained holiness which was filthy rags in the eyes of God. See the difference? Now, so Israel knew that the God that they had to deal with, the God that they were dealing with, was a God of holiness. A God that is not just holy, but is in the act of sanctifying his people so that his people can become like him in their most natural disposition. Every time God manifested something or demanded from them something, they, cap, they, they actually encapsulate that demand, that manifestation of God in a name that gives them an understanding of their God. So that was how it was. But in the incarnation... God was defined. All the brilliant dimensions of God was on display. And every man knew the God of the Bible. In the incarnation, God's definition of man was fulfilled. Because the Bible says, let us make man in our own image and after our own likeness. The first time that was ever fulfilled was when Jesus came to the uh, baptismal service of John the Baptist. That was the first man from God's definition. So, in the incarnation, God showed us the perspective of the pattern man. Are you still with me? Now, so everything that Jesus did, his words, his actions, was actually a display of God's idea of what? Amen. And if you begin to relate with the Holy Spirit, and if you are functioning by the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you just find out that that life that Jesus lived will become exactly what you are expressing. Because Jesus is actually the carving point of the definition of Amen. Did you get that? In the incarnation, God actually revealed to us our destiny. Because Christ was not only human, Christ was a prophetic machinery that was revealing the destiny of everyone that became that will eventually become part of his race through faith. So if Jesus suffered to fulfill the will of God for his life, tell your neighbor, you will suffer too to fulfill the will of God for your life. I heard a bishop preach and the bishop said, Jesus suffered so that you will not suffer. And, and, and that he read the Bible when Paul said, do not trouble me again because I bear in my body the marks of Christ. He said that mark is the mark of recognition, the mark of prosperity, the mark of increase. And he preached from, I don't know whether the book he was preaching from was the Bible or one of the books from, from Hindu land. He had betrayed Jesus by that sermon. Please, if somebody is preaching, even if he's a bishop and he wears a cap, check it. If he is one of them that, that, that says that there's no more suffering because Jesus suffered, he, that message he preached for the devil. I came out of Bible school 
And God told me that <laughs> this message you are running with will bring death to your generation. He called me back from active preaching and put me in the cave for 10 years. He said, these scriptures you are preaching, let come back and search for it again. Then I now found out that we used to add things to scripture. I found out that the way we understand scripture is not exactly the way it is in the Bible. So I said, okay, God, I'm not ready to preach again. I'm not qualified. He said, now you are qualified. The time you thought you were qualified because you went to Bible school, you were actually not. But now that you know you don't know anything, I'll be giving you what to say. So before I preach, I come and say, Baba. 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 Then the time came and I said, okay, I'll be giving you many now. So that you can preach a series. You can preach part one, two, three, four. I'll be giving you one, one bread. I'll give you three at once. Five. Seven. And the day came, the whole Bible joined. Start from where you are. You become mighty. In the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus, his work on earth was prophetic. And everything that was factored in his life will be part and parcel of the life of anyone that is a true follower of him. If he suffered to fulfill the will of God, on your path to fulfilling God's will, you will find suffering. And the Bible says that kind of suffering is not the kind of one that a criminal suffers when they catch him and they are beating him. This kind of suffering perfects you. It matures you. It takes you from one level in God to another. And if, if, if by your whims and caprices you dodge that suffering, you have made yourself vulnerable to the devil in the future. Because on the account of that suffering you dodged, there was a mark, a scar that you were supposed to have. And that scar was what was going to put the devil on check. That this one cannot be touched because he bears in his body the mark. It's when you have borne the mark that you can wear the crown. That's how this kingdom is. It's a strange kind of kingdom. It's, a, it's not a kingdom of king and subjects. It's a kingdom of king and kings. Never has a kingdom of this type be, been found before. And Jesus came to alter the pathway so that we understand how this kingdom operates. Do you get it now? That's the incarnation. It was a powerful time. God came on display, manifested divine attributes through human virtues so that every human being will know what God would have done if he were man. In the Bible, you see Jesus, there were times that he was hungry. But you see that he did not submit to his hunger. He only submitted to his father. There were times that Jesus was thirsty. But he did not submit to his test. He only submitted to what? His... Who told you you will not be hungry sometimes? The gospel of prosperity cannot take hunger away sometimes. Oh, you don't, you don't know. There is a... All right. Now, you need to understand that no matter how prosperous you are, there are still times you are going to pass through drought. Things will just happen and it's orchestrated by God. God allows those winds to blow so that your confidence, you, you will know where your confidence is. Either you had built confidence in the things that you have in your pocket or your confidence was still in God. That's why God allows some winds sometimes. It's a school of training. 
And if you pass the test, you move to a, a higher financial level. That means you can control more of kingdom resources. From next year, that's when I'll start preaching economics, kingdom economics. I assure you it's different from the gospel of prosperity. I assure you. <laughs> I assure you. Because that's when you find that the titan came, not by a law, it came by a man's relationship with God. That's where he got the law of titan. That's when you discover that God does not bless everybody. doesn't bless you. He won't call you and say, James, take! No. He has a, a protocol that he follows to reach you. God blesses only Abraham. The covenant of blessing was factored into an agreement between God and Abraham. And if you are going to be blessed, you are going to be blessed on the account of that covenant. That's what makes it different. I don't want to digress. Where did I stop? Bring me back. Your financial and material status is tied to a covenant. So God won't call you and say, Oga, no. See, the extent to which you are blessed is the degree to which you are compliant with the rules, regulations of that covenant. That's the only possibility of a believer's blessing. Now, when we went, stop. Where did I stop? Okay. In the incarnation. You see, in, in the incarnation, God was defined. God was expressed through human virtues. Man, from the, from the perspective of God, was also put on display. That all men that are of God will be like this man. That was why he spoke from heaven and he said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Now I have a man. That's what God was saying. Number five, in the incarnation, for the first time in the history of God, God had a house. There was a time like that I was trying to study my Bible from back to back to find what is God's problem. God must have a problem. That was my motivation. And by the time I got to the book of Isaiah, I now discovered that one of God's problems was that he was looking for where to stay. Hmm. He asks, where's the place of my rest? So all these things you are suggesting, my hands have made them. But he said, on this man will I look at. So God was looking to a man to open himself up so that he can rest. So God had not rested at that time. And it was when Jesus showed up that God found a resting place for the first time. And that was why John chapter 14 was written to Jesus. Because Jesus was the only temple of God. So when Jesus came and said, destroy this temple. I will build it up again in three days. He knew what he was talking about. He knew that he was going to, God himself will be affected because he will have no house for three days. So he will, the father will cooperate and the temple will come back because God wants a place to. If I say something now, you call me false. 
Because it's the same John chapter 14 that we claim, that we read and say, because Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you in John chapter 14. And then we say he, he is going to heaven. He's not going to heaven. He was going to the cross. When he goes to the cross and he dies, substitution will take place on the cross. And then in the cross, you become part of him. Alright? So, when he dies, you, through substitution too, would have died. And by an organic union in his resurrection, an organic union will take place. Something will join you and God together. So that when Jesus comes back from the grave, he will not germinate. If you plant corn and corn germinates, you know it's not the way we planted it that is going to germinate. It's going to germinate differently. Ah, so he died, he was buried, and then when he resurrected, and you know Paul was saying that it is on the account of the fact that Jesus has resurrected from the dead, we are expecting that you will live in the newness of life because you have become the increase of Jesus' planting. So now that you are his increase, it means that God has more rooms to dwell. That's what John chapter 14 is saying. God will have more rooms, more... Okay, okay, now come. Take a deep breath. If I tell you that we have many houses in the mansion, I know you understand that. Many, many houses in a mansion, you understand that. But what Jesus said was, we have many mansions in a house. You know, that one is difficult to understand. How will you have mansions inside one house? Jesus was the one house. Do you get it? He was saying that if he goes to the cross, there was going to be an organic union on the account of his going to the cross, being buried. Resurrection will germinate something else. It will germinate a union between you and him and you become an increase of him. That's what the bride of Christ is, the increase of Christ. On the strength of that increase, God will have many mansions to dwell. So the people that killed Christ thought that they had death with him, but they set him free because he dwells in you. He dwells in me in many mansions. That has nothing to do with heaven. That has everything to do with the cross. Hallelujah. That's incarnation. A mysterious incarnation. Then, the next stage of the ministry of Christ is the inclusion. The point where we could no longer be considered different from Christ. We are now part one with Christ. Because when you believed on Jesus, you became one with him. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Became one with him. Now, at that point in time, we that's where the word communion came from. That word koinonia. It means common union. Because I'm one with Christ. Anywhere Christ goes, there I'm going. If Christ is suffering, me too I'm suffering. If Jesus is burdened, I'll feel his body. Do you understand that? Common union. So that's what we have in the New Testament. That we are bound to Christ. 
So if we, as we are worshipping him, seeking his face, we begin to understand what he's feeling. Do you understand that? Because we are one with him in union. The extent to which we understand his perspective and we surrender ourselves to be vessels through which that perspective can find memory upon the face of the earth is the degree to which we stand as his representatives here and now. So all that we find in the book of Acts of the Apostles running down through all the epistles is showing us testimonies from people that have worked with God because they, were, they are one with God. Do you, do you get it now? But you see, in the book of Revelation, the scenario changes. We have incarnation, inclusion, but in the book of Revelation is intensification. The purposes of God are intensified. Why? Because the time is short. So God needs to bring a, a technology into the process that will make his agenda hastened. Do you get it? Or you don't get it? How I pray you understand me. Are you still here with me? Now, so when we get to the book of Revelation, the spirit changes. The intensity changes. It's not business as usual anymore. God is moving at a fast pace. So Jesus will come to a particular congregation. Comes to Ephesus. Are you with me now? When he gets to Ephesus, he's not looking for the entire congregation. Do you understand that based on the knowledge of the inclusion, we are one with Christ? Because the moment you were regenerated, you were baptized into Christ. You put on Christ. So you are one with Christ. You share common union. If you pray now, you can find out what is on the mind of Christ. Do you understand? This, um, um, the anointing that you carry... If you have ever experienced the anointing flow in your vessel, it means you are becoming indebted to Christ. Because that anointing is the virtue of his death. It's what came out of his death that we call the anointing. Are you, done? Are you not here? Oh, Jesus. Now, if you buy an orange, open it and you squeeze it and juice comes out. The juice coming out is a proof that one orange has died. So when Jesus was put on the cross... He emptied himself. He went to heaven. He was glorified. Then he now came back and said, All power has been given unto me. I give you that power. He received all honor, all glory. He said, Take it. I don't need it where I am. So if you are actually functioning in the anointing, you are operating in the virtue of Jesus' death. Do you get that? On the strength of that, you become indebted to his purposes and his will. Do you get it? So we cannot look at ourselves from the standpoint of the New Testament apart from Christ. We only look at ourselves as one with Christ. That's why the church would have backslidden anytime the church doesn't consider itself as what? One with Christ. Christ is saying something. That's not what the church is doing. Christ wants something done. The church is doing something else. That situation is a situation of paralysis. Where your leg, there's transmission from the brain. I want to walk now, but the Lord say, oh boy, I'm, I'm, I'm dangling. When the leg has a mind of its own, the situation is what? Paralysis. You are not, you are not with me. There's no coordination. It means the church has forsaken her 
oneness with Christ, which is actually her reality. That is what is existent in the realm of the spirit. But its manifestation here on earth is a contradiction. Because it's not a fulfillment of that which is true in the spirit realm. Now, so in those churches from the book of Romans down, you begin to see the apostles trying to make the believers understand that, see, we are one with Christ. Now, now that stuff you are doing that is contrary to the will of Christ is actually a betrayal, betrayal of your reality. That's what they were trying to do. That the Christian life was not a secret. It was not, it was not difficult. It was not something that, that, that we need to now say, this is the secret. No secret. The secret is to be faithful to Jesus. Make Jesus the center of your life and you start knowing God. It is not something that is elitist that you need to go to the university before you can understand. No. Make Jesus the center of your life. That was the message of the apostles. That is something else for you to be born again. It's another thing for Jesus to be the Lord of your life. When you make him the Lord, he becomes the center of your life. That is when your life will be administered in consonance with his eternal purpose concerning your life and then your life will be expressed in the context of God's will. That was what they were preaching. Trying to make the believers understand that in the spirit realm there were what? One. Do you realize that because you are one with your wife, no matter how you do it, you will get to know her more than every other person. So because God made himself one with us, he gave us the best opportunity to know him. And the level of oneness that we share with God is far more deeper than the oneness you share with your wife. But it's possible for you to be married and not know your wife if you don't communicate. It means that the reality of the oneness has not yet downed. You can still go out the way you used to go like a bachelor to where they watch soccer. What they call it? Soccer temple. Chelsea, 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 Chelsea. Hey. And then you come back 12 in the night. Ho, 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 ho. And then you meet your wife with a stool outside. She has cried for two hours because she's wondering what spirit is no, it's from an altar in the village. It's an altar. <laughs> because the revelation of oneness has not yet dawned on the young man. So it's still bubbling around. Because if oneness, if the revelation dance on you, it will change your lifestyle. So the problem with the average believer in the body of Christ is that the revelation of our oneness with Christ has not yet dawned on us. That oneness makes, makes the supernatural realm closer than distance. It makes the realm accessible by the inclination and by the character of your heart. That when you turn your heart to the Lord and you have all of your heart turned to him and focused on him, he will make himself available. All those things are in the Bible. The reason is because you are one with him. Just a tilt of your heart. Channel it and say, okay, God, my own civilization will be defined by my relationship with you. It's that which you reveal to me that is going to form the basis of my colonization. I'm going to remain crude and when you begin to instruct me, that's how I'm going to be advancing. I don't want to advance in the trend of the fashion of this age, but I want to advance in the trend of my relationship with you. 
You understand that? I was about to get married. I have not read any marriage book. And I said, God, I will not read. If you still speak, help me out. Jesus. You know, when the reality of your common union with Christ becomes strong, you can have wisdom in every aspect of life. Life becomes easy. Today we have so many ideas running through our minds, we don't even know the ones that the Holy Spirit has, has placed there. Life becomes easy, my friend. It's all about understanding the common union between you and Christ. But see, when Jesus comes to the book of Revelation, the template changes because what he's looking for is not a church, he comes to look for the overcomers. Yes. He will come to a congregation and say, He that overcometh. Do you notice that? You are not with me. How I wish we had a smaller circle. Let me release a secret. You know, when the congregation becomes big, there are some things you can't say. Because people are on different spiritual levels. Hallelujah. Jesus did not come to look for everybody that was born again. He came to look for the overcomers. Why do you think he behaved so? Why? Because they are, they, his, his agenda on earth is coming to an end. And there's no time to wait for everybody to recover from his paralysis. He knows that some believers will never recover from their paralysis. He has made available to them the resources... And he himself has joined himself to them as their life and life supply. But yet, he knows that because of the activity of the devil, many people's eyes will be blinded to this glorious truth and they will not be able to take advantage of the fact that they are one with Jesus. One with Christ. So he comes and he says, he that overcometh. Because when God is about to Round up his program upon the face of the earth. He seeks the overcomers. Who are the overcomers? Now, the overcomers are people that have decided to keep pace with the spirit in a time when it's not popular. You know, in the days, in these days of Jehovah Shabshab, where people want all kinds of things to happen the way they want it to happen. And maybe somebody just discovered, a big minister just discovers that it was when he stopped following God strictly that his ministry started growing. And then you are telling him to repent and go back to where he started. You know the implication of that? If you are going to repent after you built university and bought a jet without God, your repentance means that God will have to scatter everything you built without him. And it's not to... It's not to... The Lord give you understanding. That's why people don't want to follow God because if you built something that when you missed him, if you are coming back, you will scatter all those things. And that's why there's an inevitable requirement when you collide with the kingdom and you find that your, that your perspective is different from the perspective of the kingdom, John the Baptist say what? Repent. Don't try to argue it. Live your own way and accept God's way. 
and move on. If you sustain your posture of common union with God, you don't have to repent. Because you'll be keeping pace with him. And even if you miss it, you'll miss it on smaller issues. That if you reconcile with God, you won't need to go and break down something. In these days of Jehovah Sharp Sharp, there are many methods. Sharp Sharp is a botting age. You can press your way through and things will begin to change. So many guys have met us, but God's formula doesn't change. An overcomer is a man that dances to the beat of a different drummer and pledges his allegiance to a different flag. Now, he keeps pace with the Holy Spirit. And that's why you will discover that before Jesus looks for the overcomers, he always asks a question. He that has an ear. Now, in Matthew chapter 11, it was plural. He that has ears. But in the book of Revelation, it's he that has an ear. You see that now? The reason why it is an ear now, that's the ear of the spirit, because Jesus is no longer physically here. He, he speaks through his spirit, and people that have the ear of the spirit will be operating in a certain way. Their lives will be galvanized by the increase of their hearing in the realm. Do you understand what I'm talking about? But several other people have discovered how to live other ways. They are Christians, but they have found out other techniques of survival. And they are surviving on those techniques. Jesus didn't come in the intensification to look for them. He came to look for the ones that have retained what? In fact, I think I need to show us the five characteristics, the five rankings, the five things that makes them overcomers. The first thing is that they have a hearing ear of the Spirit. I know it's no longer popular for people to be taught how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in these days of wisdom and faith where you name and claim, you declare and clear and all kinds of stuff just happens. You have all the buttons on your fingertips. There's no need for you to work with God closely because wisdom is so, 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 so much available. And one day, a great preacher came to a national stadium in Surulere, Lagos, wisdom preacher, and said, write down three things you like. So wrote down. He said, look at the things very well. Mark the one you like more. They will mark. He said, that one that you like more is in line with your purpose. Now, see, we have to leave the hall. See, you understand? That's the time you will live like this with your Bible like, like this. <laughs> so in three minutes I've figured out my life. You don't know the way of the Spirit. Mm, I have fasted for, for eight months before, before God spoke to me. Not as if God wasn't speaking to me about people, about all that. And was looking for direction. God didn't speak about that direction I was seeking for eight months. Now, now, I'm trying to make you understand that several people, if they try for two weeks and God doesn't speak, they can go and create another technology of survival. But the overcomers that have an ear, they will wait. And when God comes in the book of Revelation, he comes to look for them. Now, 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 what you have become now, by what wisdom did you become what you become? 
By what? You manipulated. Touch something, press button, shout three times and anoint. I know where you are. The parachute that took you there is black. <laughs> so we are in the day of techniques. But when Jesus shows up in the intensification, he comes to look for people that have preserved what? You can take off like a tornado, but they are still marking time, waiting for the commanding officer. Yeah, fashion has changed, culture has changed, politics has changed, the terrain has changed. This is how it works now. That is how it goes now. We need to go to Lagos for ministry shopping and all kinds of stuff. Portacot has a new texture now. He is waiting. He takes off just because what? Please help me tell your neighbor, will you spend your life as a wanderer? Just. <laughs> the first thing that you see that the overcomers have, that he saw. Uh, should I tell you something? In the end time, God plans only with the overcomers. He doesn't plan with the dislocated Christians that have become used to the privatized and the commercialized messages and have become another creature entirely. And they have denied their common union with Christ. And they have also denied the destiny of that union. And they have carved out something. Many of them claim that God, God to the T, God to the T. Hi. God to the T. <laughs> My friend, <laughs> he, will, he will give you the excuse you want. If your heart is, has not been sanctified, he will give you the excuse you want to do your own business but when he comes he comes to look for the overcomers people that have trained themselves to walk by what now we started the cable program putting our messages on cable platform then an old elderly woman came to me and said pastor is it not too early for you to go on air i said woman Jesus spoke to me even before I met you. I, I can't believe you. When I was in the wilderness, Jesus told me, You will put your message on air. The, the old man did there. We now started, started, and then some people now brought camera and said, Okay, let us film it. I, I now watch it. I said, Then Jesus came back in the night. I said, You remember I told you you will put this thing on air? I said, I didn't know it was now. He said, You are late. Do you understand? So when I thank God for you will live long. Amen. That young man, you will live long. Pray for something you have done. Pray for long life. That man, day and night, began to try to bring something because we were already behind him. Then when we put it in on the platform, the woman now come and say, Don't you think? You, you see, I have no intention to be known. There are other ways I would have been known if I am not here. Since I've been in Canada, my voice would have changed now. You don't know. I am here because there's an ear. Oh, la, la. Oh, I would have been so, oh, Jesus. I would have been coming down from Lagos Airport with Port Belly and Bass Boy. Oh, I don't understand this thing. <laughs> with Port Belly, I say, 
God is 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 God. <laughs> what kept me here is please don't accept the religion of people that don't hear that believe that you should operate in a certain way operate by what so that's the first thing we as a people under the government of God must develop and must be committed to our hearing don't allow somebody take you faster than God that's what the devil wants to achieve and then you are dislocated then you are you you'll be left in a dry past land where the hand of god is as though it can't reach you i will stay until he says go i sat in a teaching office for 12 years and then god came and said i actually called you to be an apostle that will travel with doctrine and will correct things that people are teaching in the body of christ but I wanted to see how faithful you would be in the office of a teacher first. When God told me I had the calling of an apostle, that's where the other thrones broke out. Sometimes when the prophetic comes, do you understand what I'm talking about? It came because my, friend were dash, my friends were dashing into all kinds of new age teachings and all of that. I said, no, I, the kingdom of Christ cannot honor the flesh. Even though the preaching of the flesh may not be popular. But I didn't find another thing in the Bible. And I've decided to be a true and a faithful witness. Because of preaching the cross, I lost some platforms. Do you understand? Now, living by the ear will make you lose stuff. You will lose stuff. You will say it's not happening too quickly. You'll be tempted to take another approach. But when Jesus comes in the intensification, he comes to empower only the overcomers. Now, we see the church today, so the church in Nigeria, one million miles wide, is not deep at all. The people that God has in that number are very few. But the overcomers are enough to take care of the harvest of Africa. God will put upon you the strength of ten men. In the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says God has no restraint. Either to win with many. Or to conquer with few. The number is not God's problem. The second thing. Okay I said we'll go by 730. The overcomers. Okay go to Revelation 2. Go to Revelation 2. The overcomers. Who are these people? He said, he that overcometh, I will give a white stone. Ah! I said, which kind of people are these that will be honored like this? He said, he that overcometh, I will give a portion of the hidden manna. That means when manna was coming down, God reserved I said, God, I want to be in this number. And I now found out that he was no longer, it, he was singular. He, he addressed he that overcome it. In the midst of the congregation. He, he didn't say them. He said what? 
Because at that time, the ways of Christ will no longer be popular. Please, my friend, if you stopped fasting, let me assure you, a man that will hear God prays often and fast much. Let's settle that one. You see, okay, the fasting will affect your delicate balance. The alignment of the lipstick on the lip curves will not be in order. Hey. Mm. Now, if there's a damsel close to you, tell her, mm. women of old, uh, don't be afraid. You're afraid of somebody. Hey. <laughs> Women of old that found favor with God were women of vows. Somebody was on the altar praying and then she took a vow and said the first one that will open the womb will be your own. And no razor will touch. He had already put that ball under a curse if it doesn't serve God. No razor. So the guy can come to BSU now and see the people with, with hairstyle like this. His own is that what? <laughs> and then that kind of person will not know that there is an oath on his head. Then he wants to wear low waist. And he finds out that in all the, the seven people in the room, he, when he wears the day, he wears low waist. That's the day. There will be heart attack. They will rush him to the sick bay because that thing is not in con. There were women of vows. Keep your lipstick. You can. I'm not. I don't have a problem with it. But with it, let there be a vow in your belly. In the name of Jesus Christ. Me, oh, I hate religion with passion because I did it. Take me out. I am. I did that one. And the religious men certified me that you are you are born again. <laughs> but the day they proclaimed me that I knew in my heart that we were crooks, all of us were crooks. <laughs> and you know, some of us can act. <laughs> I wanted to know God. I wanted to be a genuine Christian, not a fake man. You can't achieve holiness by the works of the flesh. It's, it's an activity of God. Second thing, Revelation 3, quickly. Amen. Maybe we'll talk about the third and fourth tomorrow. Sorry, God just instructed me while the morning service was going on that there, were some, there are some strange people that came today, so I have to change my sermon. We'll continue with what? Some other time, okay? Now, listen carefully, Revelation chapter 3. Let me do a reading. I'm committed to making us live in good time because of the time we have spent in the presence of God so that you can go back and... I'm amazed that this number of people came back after that morning service. I'm amazed. I think something is happening in our region. I think something. You can't do this in Lagos. If you try this one, you, you and your wife will, will share grace. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, let's go to the angel in the church in Sardis. 
Okay, don't worry. I have, we have Bible study tomorrow. Tomorrow evening. Alright? Full Bible study. Now, to the angel in the church in Sardis write, These things said he that had the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy walk, that thou hast a name that thou livest, and thou art dead. Now, come with me. Are you with me? Now, what this? It's needful for us to understand something quickly. Notice the church in Sardis was a church that Jesus said was a dead church. Get that? Just in case you are confused, there's a church that can be dead. Dead church. What is the symptom of a dead church? A dead church is a church that is not under the rulership of Christ. Has other rulers. Maybe men, maybe witches, maybe they program the church from the coven. Oh, you know, you don't think that is possible? Okay. If Christ is no longer Lord, the one that determines what happens, you make a plan, and if Jesus can obstruct it, he's not the Lord there. And for the season and for the time that such a, an occultic government is in place, Jesus will be waiting patiently and trying to cut covenant with people in that congregation so that through those people, he can reclaim that territory that the devil has taken. Do you get it? Oh, you are not with me. Now, to the dead church, the revelation of Jesus that came is a revelation of what? The seven spirits of God. Notice that each revelation had its unique, each church had its unique revelation that was in the area of the need of that church. Now, revelation does not come but when there is a need. So, revelation is more based on need than based on knowledge. The fact that you have knowledge is not enough reason for you to share the knowledge until God reveals to you that there's a need. And you don't know the need of the people, so you have to go back to God, even though you have knowledge. And then God will now reveal the need and then prescribe what should be preached in order for him to meet the need. Do you understand? So whether you know the Bible so much or you don't know it at all, if you are going to be a minister of Christ, you have to find out the need and then Jesus will now have to teach you how to dispense what he has quickened into you so that he can meet the need. You get it now? Now, so to these guys, they were a dead church. And the revelation of Christ that came to them was the revelation of what? Now, I know that there have been so many controversies in, among theological blocks as to what exactly the seven spirits of God actually is. While I claim not to have a superior perspective... Okay, I do not claim to have a superior perspective, but this is what I found. Hallelujah. First of all, we need to establish that there's one Holy Spirit. Have, are we agreed? So the Holy Spirit is not seven. The Holy Spirit is what? That's good to know that you are, we have arrived here. Number two. I want to take us to the Old Testament before we come to the New. The servants of the Old Testament. 
one of the servants was Samson, the dreadlocks upon Samson's head. Samson had the consecration of a Nazarite. And in that consecration, no razor blade was about to touch what? And when the head grew out, it was dreadlocks. And he had seven branches in the locks. Actually, that was a type of the seven spirits of God. I will tell you why. I will tell you why Samson. Most of you think Samson was a muscular person. Samson was like me. <laughs> Samson was not a muscular person. Samson was an ordinary normal man. Nazarites were not weightlifters. How many of you have been to Israel? I, I pray that God would... I want to go there. Anybody here been to Israel before? Okay, you have been there. Oh. Yeah. Now, those Nazarites, those guys that have this long beard that you saw there, did you see any fat one? <laughs> that was who he was. They don't lift weight. They are people that are consecrated to the purposes of God. A Nazarite can be reading the Torah and crossing the road. They are very close, but key him is unto the Lord. You don't understand. You don't understand. <laughs> so what happened to Samson was that this ordinary man that was not fierce at all in his looks, the seven dreadlocks actually talked about a sevenfold intensification of the activity of God's spirit. I know you don't understand that. Let me go to another scripture, then I'll come back. Are you with me? Uh, the furnace that the true Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go into. Now furnace, how many furnaces? Is it seven furnaces? One furnace. But it, you could hit the furnace sevenfold. You get it? Good. The seven spirits of God revealed in the book of Revelation actually reveal a sevenfold intensity that the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life can, can have ranges of intensity. You are not with me. Let me explain. Now, you see, I left in order for me to go for youth service, I went to my people in Abuja. I know when I got there, they had promoted them. They were high in government. So their house, they had rug. From the door. It's only a kitchen that doesn't have rug. They had AC everywhere. So when I came, they, they received me. They said, Kai, you are half starved. And they took me to one place and gave me a room. They said, let this AC be on in the night and morning. I'm preparing to go where? You service. They said, okay. Oh my God. They even have a cook. They say, if you want to eat, tell the cook what you want. And there's a phone here. The government pays. You can call anytime. And they brought me to one room. They said, this is, those days when in, internet, they only whisper it. Internet. In that house, they had internet connection. The Lord give you understanding. <laughs> then, they sent me for Tokano. Then we now started praying and fasting. You know all those. 
you or Elijah will come from walk in the night. He will come like this. That's how he enters. So. <laughs> As the prayer is going, he say, On the Holy Ghost, I see the Holy Ghost. The prayer has stopped to another direction. It has moved. He say, All these trees here are covens. Let's begin to go and anoint all of them. After we anointed all of them, he was in the office. One mad woman went with bottle and stabbed him. Now you know they're here. <laughs> so by the time we started confronting evil spirits on a close range like that, nobody would tell you to fast. <laughs> by the time I came back to Abuja, eh, I was lean like this. But there was only one thing that had changed. My spirit was anointed. When I came to the same Abuja, to, I had to wake them to pray because they had eaten and all of them were fat. And I now saw the level of Abuja intensity. And I now found out that if you go to Kano, you need a higher intensity to live a normal life. That's what I discovered. That there are varying ranges varying frames, varying dimensions of spirit intensity and the level of intensity you sustain is dependent on the terrain of your, of your locality. Did you get it? Yeah. Now, so there are varying intensities. Me and you can go to serve. You may serve in Yobe. Yobe where Boko Haram is bombing. So you live by fasting and prayer so that you know where to be at the right time. If not, boom. And the man that goes to serve in Sapele is working in, in pineapple farm. He has the dashing pineapple. He takes pineapple in the morning and then he comes back. His body is yellow. It's fair. Like this. Praise the Lord. That's his own level of intensity. Didn't see a need to fast. Didn't see a need to pray. The oppression of Christ in his life was on low key. But somehow he was still a Christian. What I'm saying is that in the book of Revelation, Jesus came to the dead church and his revelation to them was what? The sevenfold intensity. That they prove. Samson was a weak man. What made him powerful was the, was the covenant of the Nazarite that made him have seven locks, which were the seven spirits of God. As long as he had that locks, a weak man could become a strong man because of the intensification of the Holy Spirit. What the book of Revelation is saying is that in the end time, God intensifies the overcomers so that they can have the strength of ten men. One man is as strong as, as ten men. One man is as strong as the angel of God. The least among them is as strong as David. That's where I got that, that my prophecy. That is only possible in the days of intensity. So you will now find out that the overcomers that are standing erect with God, the way God is anointing them and the way they are growing, you know this is not normal spiritual growth. This is, this is strange. This is the strength of a flying angel. Ah! Our people come to ask you before, how do you pray like this? It means they, don't, they cannot fathom it. It's, a, it's intense. They don't know the technology is what called intensity. So the second secret 
of the overcomers is that they have sevenfold intensity. So you see their own level of growth. If you meet them after six months and meet them six months later, you can't recognize it's another thing entirely because it's operating on the highest fold of intensity. And God was telling the dead church that if you could only subscribe to my sevenfold intensity, it can quicken you from the dead and make you a strong man in the order of Samson. You get it? That was his message to them. That was the second thing about the overcomers. They were operating in higher levels of intensity. Now, let me let's, let me do something as I round up. I won't talk again. Not, not because we are finished. But let's go practical now. Because those days when we were in Kano, this guy used to do dry fasting 14 days. <laughs> now, Moye Kappa Those days, it was as if if we didn't pray, we'd die. There was something driving us. And by the time I spent six months doing youth service, came back to my Abuja brethren, I thought they were pagans. Because the intensity level, the things we were doing. I, I, this is how you people eat. There's darkness here. I had to be going to my sister's room to, to whip her up, to wake up. Kai! The intensity level was what? One day I pointed her. It was early in the morning. I pointed her. I said, you know, anytime I come and I do like this, she knows that there's a problem. And I opened the room and I pointed out. The Lord said he will build a well for you. But that well will not be in Nigeria. See. It was as if I was lying. Abby. When the time came. You know she is a Canadian citizen now. That's why I told you that. Because of the prophecy that came to pass. They wanted to help me. By making me leave the will of God. They said let's go. See. My God, we have. I say, Benue. <laughs> Keep that thing that makes you. Meanwhile, she was the one that started me out in the ways of the Lord. Then when intensity shifted, the batting can change. We had mega intensity in Kano because of the situations on ground. And we have decided that we will not fall from that level of intensity for our lifetime. No. I will not walk when I can mount up with wings. Because this is the spirit of all of them. I will walk and not be tired. That's a dimension. Based on a particular level of intensity. Okay? I will run and not faint. That's a dimension that is available to you on a particular intensity level. 
then you mount up with wings like eagle. That's another reality that is available on another intensity level. The same Holy Spirit, but different intensities. I said, no, I will not operate the low one. Let me mount. And if you are somewhere and in six months' time, somebody comes back and says, Evangelist Christ, are you the one? You know that some people in that place, if they see you now, and you roar, this is your roar. That, they say, hey! <laughs> That's intensity. It changes you into another man. That was what Samuel told Saul. That, see, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will be what? Changed into another. That's intensity. To change you into a different creature. They will now wonder, ah, which day did he start seeing vision? You are, you are operating with old. He has been seeing vision since the intensity shifted. He was able to operate in the realm of visions because he has attained to that level of what? Of intensity. Somebody said to me when I went to Union Greek, why is it that it's difficult for me to hear God? I said, the ability to hear God operates on an energy level that you are below. <laughs> it's available to you, but it's on well, what? An energy level. So stir up your energy level and you come into the realm where it is natural to hear God. Let me stop there today. I said all of this because the acts of the apostles is still open today. God is still sending apostles today. 